Welcome to another episode of the ABLE podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm really excited because we have Brennan Woodruff on with us today. He is the co-founder and COO of Go Charlie and a good friend of mine and Chris. So I'm really excited to have you on, Brennan. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm super excited to uh, to go a little bit deeper on these things with uh, with you. Yeah, I, w- I was really excited when we connected at a wedding recently. And I kind of chatted with you about the podcast. And it's funny because when I started this whole thing, Chris, from the beginning, we were chatting about people who I could have on and he was like, Brennan would be awesome. So I'm really glad you're here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chris, Chris and I go way, way back. So I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that he thought of me and I think it's in a good light, but yeah, it's it, totally it's, yeah. always, always in a good light. Well, wherever you want to kick us off, maybe start off by telling us a little more about yourself, generally where you're at in life now, and then we can really dive in from the beginning of your story. Yeah, yeah. So uh, what about me? I graduated from Indiana University, born and raised in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, I met Chris while we were fraternity brothers at Indiana University, Um, moved to Chicago uh, right after school with a bunch of uh, my same fraternity brothers. But I always kind of had this itch of like, who would I be and who would I become uh, outside of the confines in which I grew up in? And so that idea and that kind of tickle in my brain took me to New York after that. Um, and then a couple of short years later, I got a job with Uber, moved to San Francisco, did that whole fun new city life. Uh, and now I work for a four person AI startup. Uh, I did a stint at SoftBank in between here and there. I've lived in San Francisco a whole pandemic, so that's that's uh, you know yeah. gold star for me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's a little bit about where I've come from. I'm a huge basketball fan. I've officiated three weddings. That's my proudest accomplishment <laughs> uh, of all of them. I've been in 35. I'm basically Catherine Heigl in male form. But yeah, love weddings, love love, um, love work, and just. I don't know. I I like to try to chase things that excite me. And so far, I think I've done a pretty good job. Yeah, I love that. And that is like such a good kickoff too. like you traveling and going all these different places, especially coming from Evanston, Indiana, like what a huge shift and like shift in life moving and expanding who you are. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's, it's funny, you know, because I, I talk to so many students, uh, I try to like mentor and give back to the, the Hoosier community and be a guiding force that I wish I would have had, because to be honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do in college. And I think I'm a little closer now, but even to this day, people are like, well, how did you know this is what you wanted to do? And I, I think the answer was always, well, I didn't, it just sounded really fun. And so that's, that's what I've kind of followed as a philosophy. Some people are more thought out, but mm-hmm. I think even the people that look like they have it figured out don't. Um, totally. So it's been it's been fascinating from that regard. But what's intriguing to me is I, I think like everybody else, I kind of do, started doing some of this this deeper internal work uh, over COVID, 
And whether that's a, a byproduct of there wasn't anything to do to distract myself or it was just kind of forced upon all of us to slow down and think. Yeah. For me, I, I always thought that I was kind of chasing that next adventure, mm -hmm. chasing the excitement. I thought that was, you know, I believed that I, I had convinced myself of that. And the further I sank into this reflective period, the more that I realized that I was actually running from something. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's going to sound re really kind of out there at first, but I, I think I've had so many people ask me, would you ever move back to Indiana? And I was like, no. And they're like, why? And the tagline I came up with was, you know, I worked my ass off to get out of there. And mm -hmm. I really, um, I really believe that. Like I, I've worked really hard to get away from it. And if you ask me the one place I spent the most time during the pandemic, it was home. Yeah. And so much of that unsolved chaos and stress of going home that I just kind of had been spending the majority of my professional life running away from started to actually get dealt with. And in doing so, my mind started being at peace. And mm -hmm. I started to realize that most of my moving was actually like, a, for better or for worse, to call it escapism. Yeah. It was, well, I don't have to deal with this if, I, if, if I'm not there, but um it wasn't intentional and it's so crazy how much of that happens in the subconscious. But I think when I finally sat down with this, like, yeah, I'm chasing exciting experiences, but I think at times it's, it's me just trying to avoid having to deal with some of like the day-to-day -day difficulties or the, you know, the, the claws that the past might still have in me. Yeah, totally. Was there anything that like triggered your like healing journey? Um, yeah, yeah. There, uh, June 2020 was a uh, was a pretty rough pretty rough month for me I'd say um, right when the pandemic hit I was supposed to have you know ten of my best friends fly out from Chicago to visit me uh, and in the six months prior to that I was really struggling with uh, I took a new job and it just wasn't going well and it was the first time I had to accept that maybe I wasn't just going to be a natural at what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I had a boss that I really hadn't connected with. Uh, I had just started a new relationship with a girl and things were starting to kind of hit the skids. And I could tell it's because work was affecting me in that regard. And then in January 2020, my, my dad actually asked me for money. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom has never been the one with financial means, but she's never asked for money. My dad asking me for money was like a huge, holy shit, never meet your heroes type thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had to have some discussions with him that, that one, I never really wanted to have, but two, I were just really jarring for me personally and put me in this completely stressed out state. Uh, yeah. And, and for better or for worse, made me feel trapped. So I was now feeling couldn't leave this job that I hated, even though, because I was getting paid so well, I didn't know how I was going to be able to offer my partner at the time, the life that I had envisioned for the both of us, if I were to leave. Um, and it all kind of culminated when COVID canceled all my friends being able to come out and me being able to have talks. And, and I think I, I just shattered, like my body literally couldn't handle it. I, mm -hmm. I could barely get out of bed. It made me a miserable person to be around. And at pseudo moved in with this person to kick off the pandemic thinking it was going to be 20 like maybe a month yeah. long not two and a half years mm -hmm. uh, and so 2020 comes around or june 2020 comes around and 
I end up moving out of the place I'm living with this person. We end up breaking up. Um, I go home for the first time to try to settle. And that same week, my boss in my job gets fired. I, I, I get no forewarning. So I know my work is going to go through the roof, mm -hmm. right as I've been broken up with, uh, which is already difficult to deal with. And then um, I went home and my older sister, who has been in and out of jail my entire childhood and adult life, um, I had finally started getting a good relationship with her and we were able to talk and go deeper on subjects and I, I finally you know I actually wished her a happy birthday on social media which most people don't even know that I had an older sister because mm -hmm. of the black swan that she was and the difficulties she had put on my family uh, and so I went home looking for like a little bit of a reprieve from all this just change and chaos going on in my life mm -hmm. and my older sister accused me and my younger sister of being a part of a, a murder attempt on her and a drug ring that was tracking her. And sure. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't really know how to respond to that. And, and at the time I didn't really know a lot about like schizophrenia. I didn't know a lot about um, the dangers of like Adderall and not sleeping and how that can contribute or perpetuate those symptoms. Mm -hmm. um, and so I tried to create a little bit of space and just said, Hey, I, I can't really deal with this at the moment. Like, it, I really want to help you, but like, I'm going through my own stuff, which is connect next time I'm home. So she instead convinces my family without me to go visit this art project she had been working on. Mm -hmm. And we found that she made up the entire story just to get my family to go see this new art project that she was working on. Mm -hmm. um, and so my mom lost it, told her off it set my older sister off to a place where she thought that cameras were everywhere in her house. So she tore apart her entire house, including my niece's room mm -hmm. and broke everything that she had, a house that she had worked so hard to get a loan for as an ex-convict. Um, and we haven't talked since. Wow. And all three of those things kind of happened at once. And I, to be, I've since realized that my coping mechanism is often just often just making myself so busy that I don't mm -hmm. have time to process things. And my body was literally like, well, that sucks that that's your coping mechanism because now you're just not even going to be able to function. Yeah. So like mentally, I wasn't there. Uh, physically, my, like I was getting cramps in my body. I was trying to work out all the time to lose a bunch of weight in my response to a, a breakup. And it just got to this place where no matter what I would put my body physically through, nothing was getting better. It was, mm -hmm. it was only getting worse because my body was just exhausted. And then my mind was for better for worse operating maybe 25% of its capacity because yeah. so much had happened. And that really it's set like me. shutting down or something. Yeah. Like yeah. You know, athletes go through cramps with their like physical muscles. Like I was getting cramps based off of mental. Yeah harm and that like that was how rough it was and you know throw a pandemic over top of all of that like I think it, it was just it was rough and it was one of those things where it's like look at the end of the day no one's died but to me it was like my older sister it ceased to be a human mm -hmm. and it was that was like the saddest realization that I think I'm still processing because for me she was yeah. a 
she was kind of my maternal figure. When I was growing up, my mom was bedridden and we still to this day don't know what that disease was, but uh, she, my sister was there, but my sister was also in and out of jail. So it was like, mm-hmm. my experiencing of love now is like this weird, you go away, come back type of thing. Like I've seen mm-hmm. that manifest itself in my relationships where it's like, you both love each other. And then like you break up and then you get back together because that high is still there. And then like you break up and it's like, mm-hmm. my subconscious normalize that is what love yeah. is. Um, but when that did you really- consciously like realize that that was your relationship patterns <laughs> like that's a huge realization to even have like how did you get to that point? um I th- I think it was probably three four months after that happened yeah um one because when that relationship ended at the beginning with COVID we we tried to get back together and we tried mm-hmm. to make it work in like I was constantly on the offensive like making myself better focusing on myself adding confidence back and doing all the things that I thought I was supposed to be doing to, to be in a relationship. And it still was not enough. And then I finally started to realize, well, why do I keep going back to people? Why is that what I'm doing? Because I'm obviously not being treated the way that I want to be treated. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think that that's when it really kind of broke was, holy shit. That's like how my sister experienced love through her dad being a ever absent figure and then coming back and her mom playing hot and cold because she couldn't deal with, you know, what she represented as a failure in her life. And it just kind of all came full circle. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's what I experience as love normally is just people Mm -hmm. coming in and out. And oddly, I've been where it mostly starts is I realized that's how I was in a lot of my relationships and that that's how I was showing up as love. And so like the only time I would show up and be supportive is when things hit a chaotic point rather than, you know, it's okay to just be there and like not have chaos and just experience love as just being present. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I hate that it took all that, but that's, that was one of the things that I realized like, wait, this isn't normal. And so for me, that's been really difficult with new relationships is that I'm like, oh, it's okay that there's nothing wrong. Mm-hmm. Like and you're like brain. actively working on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like my brain almost wants there to be something wrong because then it feels mm-hmm. like it could be valuable and helping solve a problem rather than it just being like, hey, it's mm-hmm. peace of time. That's totally okay. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Like your nervous system was used to that. Yeah. Yeah. My, I, I went through a period of the pandemic where I, I had a serious concern that my body was addicted to stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, which that's like a whole nother set of issues on the healing journey that I'm, I'm still very much working on. It's like, I did one of those food sensitivity tests. And oh, really? Every favorite food of mine was actually a food I was sensitive to and would wow. trigger an inflammation reaction. So not only am I feeling that my body might be addicted to stress, but actually the foods I enjoy cause the most inflammatory reaction in my body. Like wow. that- I was just like, this is literally my body telling me that all the things that I like are actually bad for me. That is crazy. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty wild how that type of stuff lines up. Yeah. So during this point after June, 2020, and your body is like shutting down, how did you get out of that state? Or are you still working on getting out of that state? You know, I went through a period where I thought I was out of it. Um, 
but that was mostly just changing the environment. So getting away from it. So I actually mm -hmm. went, I lived in Mexico for a couple months during the pandemic. It was unplanned. I showed up for four days and I was in such a better headspace that I decided to stay for a few months. Uh, and then I got back to San Francisco and, and I realized like, oh no, I haven't healed this. Like, um, shortly after all that went down, I ran into this ex with a new boyfriend making out on the street right next to my apartment. And oh so God. now every time I left my house, I had the stress reaction of, am I going to run into this freaking person? Mm -hmm. And my body didn't let go of that for a year, for a full year. I could not eliminate that from my subconscious. And like, I didn't have any hatred or disdain towards this person. Like I, I want everyone to pursue their own happiness. I think I was angry at the situation, but I realized that anger was more myself. Mm -hmm. um, but then for a while, I just kind of went on this emotional bender of like, I'm not going to care about anyone or anything. And I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And unfortunately, that ended up with a lot of people getting hurt. Mm -hmm. um, me doing a lot of things that weren't representative of who I wanted to be. And then I finally kind of woke up one morning and was like, this is not who I want to be known as. This is not who I would want my grandpa to look back and see me being. And this is not who I want my parents to know me as and the people I care about to know me as. So I, I would say I'm, I'm still working on it. I thought, you know, I thought some of it had went away, but I still see those things bubbling up sometimes it, oddly or maybe not so oddly it's usually in romantic relationships because that's where you have to be vulnerable that's where you have to share that's where you have to have those conversations and go deep or else what's the point of it and yeah. um that's where i find it being triggered most or showing up the most is like i really start to care about someone and then my brain starts to manufacture chaos if there's nothing wrong mm -hmm. and then eventually that results in chaos actually happening um, yeah. even though it's not what you want. Yeah, totally. And then like, as you're dating and you're meeting new people, are you super upfront then to begin with about like your story and who you are, or are you learning to be more vulnerable? I definitely don't drop it all on the first date. You know, yeah. I, I, I am an open book. Um, if someone asks a question, I'm, I'm pretty straightforward about answering it now. You know, if you talk to someone about your older sister kind of going crazy and like, mm -hmm. you know, writing fraudulent checks out of your mom's checkbook, like that, that's some stuff that I feel like is at least second, third date type <laughs> here. Like, I just want to make sure that I'm having fun with people yeah. when, I, when I start out and there's someone that like our life views align, our, our goals align. I think a new one that I've had to add recently is just like an understanding that what I've invested in for my career is is very much a five to ten year path of uncertainty mm -hmm. if all things go well you know it could end tomorrow it could end five years from now there's no guarantee of success mm -hmm. um, but it does have certain implications on my my financial well-being in the long term it does have certain implications on what i can invest in dating it does have certain implications on how emotionally i can be invested yeah. so i i think i've gotten a lot better about accepting who i am Mm -hmm. and what experiences have created me and how they impact me yeah. uh, and then yes more communicative over the long run but I also try to approach relationships from a path of understanding on the other side too I think they make yeah. me more empathetic to hey there's certain behaviors that I've exhibited that maybe have triggered some stuff in your past um, and let's talk that out 
And I find myself a lot less tolerant of immaturity and being able to have those conversations. And so it's adjusted more how I assess if this person is the right person for me uh, Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. I give you props for being so vulnerable too about all this, because I know it's really hard for men, especially to open up. I mean, there's just so many reasons for that. And I think it's amazing that you're like open to talk about all this stuff to even begin with. Yeah. I mean, to, to be quite frank, and this is a theory I have, and maybe it may be shared by a lot of others, but I, I think that if men were one allowed to respected to be a little bit more vulnerable mm-hmm. in hopefully a non-manipulative way, I think we, a lot of the bigger problems we face as a society wouldn't be there. You know, I, I don't think that we would have as much issue with treating everybody with equality if we didn't have people that were scared of losing whatever they built. It's like mm-hmm. there's so many things that are just caused by people suppressing emotions and trauma mm-hmm. they haven't dealt with. Um, I, weird, I'll feel weird saying this, but there's also like so many great things that have happened because people have experienced trauma and they've mm-hmm. that's fueled them. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I, I honestly held this belief that you had to really go through some shit to do anything of exceptional value. And that kind of unpacked it some session I did in New York. And I was like, dude, you've already gone through hell and back. Like, what, like, what are you scared of? Like, you're, yeah. you'll figure it out. But like, you don't have to go through anything more. Like, don't make this harder than you need to. But sometimes mm-hmm. stuff like that's just tucked away in your subconscious. Yeah it's triggering. And like, as you experience certain things in life, those memories and those events pop back up so you can try and heal them. I totally believe that. Yeah. Or it's like, Hey, you remember that lesson that you thought you learned? Well, here's a reminder of it. Let's see that actually. How you handle it. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I totally believe that. Especially lately. I feel like I've been really triggered lately by a lot of different things. I don't know what's going on in the astrology world but they're I feel like very triggered lately <laughs> I, I think Mer- Mercury is actually in retrograde as of uh September 9th yeah oh yeah yeah for sure so, it's got to be a part of it yeah definitely a part of it yeah and I totally agree with you that a lot of the world's problems would be solved because I just 100% agree with that yeah in the business world, it's very interesting because I've met people that are like, well, you can't have an exceptional company if you don't have at least like one asshole, because then at mm-hmm. least you're, you're uniting people through hatred for that one person. I'm like, yeah, but, like, <laughs> but I don't want to hate the person I'm working for. I'd rather no. love this person and like want to run through walls and just be like, I fear this person. Therefore, mm-hmm. I'm going to work until 4 a.m. in the morning instead of being around people I love. Yeah. So could you share, if you're open to it, a little more about other experiences that you think formed who you are today that we haven't talked about? Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's, there's all sorts of things. Um, I'll, I'll just start off with like the two, the two things that popped into my head and we'll, we'll see where those rabbit holes go. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one was, uh, for me, weight has always been a big issue. Um, I did this, this course called landmark forum, uh, back in February, 2020, and it causes you to think about all these stories that come to light. And the whole premise of the program is that you have all these stories running concurrently in your head, telling you who you are 
in, in story form. Mm -hmm. And for me, I distinctly remember there was some dumb like MySpace survey game <laughs> where people would be asked random questions about multiple people on MySpace and they would answer. And then the person mm -hmm. that they answered these questions about would get this answer. Oh and one God. of them was, should Brennan Woodruff wear tight clothing? And at that time, like I was kind of fat, like my, my parents had just gotten divorced. I found out my dad cheated on my mom. He remarried uh, with the person he cheated on her with. My grandma oh, died and then my grandpa died right after that. And so like all these things were happening and like that time I didn't know anything about trauma or like mental health. My mom was mm -hmm. obviously a basket case. So like she could barely help herself, much less help me. Mm -hmm. um, and I dealt with that by burying myself in a video game and um eating mm -hmm. and so my life became this reflection of everyone kind of telling me that I wasn't good enough because I was fat like mm -hmm. I would show interest in a girl and I'd be overly romantic and emotionally expressive and that was met with like you're fat um mm -hmm. I would fall asleep in class because I would eat too much at lunch and teachers would throw markers at me and they'd put me in the front row because I would just fall asleep and so I wasn't seeing any traction in, in real life. And so I would just play video games all the time. But yeah. because I was doing that and not being athletic and no longer involved in sports, I, I was just fat. So it's funny that that one little MySpace answer, that one thing mm -hmm. led me throughout many periods of my life thinking that my weight was the reason that people didn't want to be around me. And that if I was not fit, that I would always be alone. And so it's funny how that's manifested itself in every single breakup that I've had, I have gone through this period of rapid weight loss, rapid personal development, rapid personal improvement. It's almost like the, the singer that like goes through a breakup just so they can write a, a next hit wonder song. Like mm -hmm. that's what was happening to me because I was like, oh, well, you know, I was too fat. That's why they broke up with me. And then I would just try to cut as much weight as I could. Um, to kind of prove them wrong, but also so that I would never have to be alone. Mm -hmm. So weight's been a big issue for me in, in that regard, purely based off of that MySpace thing. That's wild. Yeah, it's like something so little can have this profound impact depending on when it hits you in life. Yeah. Well, you had so much other things happening in your life that that just was kind of like nail in the coffin, like to not help. Yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, everybody goes through loss and, and pain. I seem to have these cycles of where everything bad kind of happens at once. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's why sometimes you can't control the timing. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is something that I think follows on to that, but was, is a little bit more present for me now, which is um, alcohol consumption. Mm -hmm. And so I know, you know, having had a sister go through substance abuse problems to to the very far extreme um, was something that I was not uh, I never really wanted to put my parents through but the way that I broke out of my video game addiction in high school was a, a random friend of mine that I'm now estranged with um, for various reasons but they introduced me to alcohol mm -hmm. and so my mo became shaped around alcohol mm -hmm. uh, and throwing parties. And I would say to this day still, like I throw parties and like, that's my big thing and I'm good at it. Uh, but 
for me, a lot of my personality surrounded around that. And it all kind of trickled back into the same reason that I thought about weight, which is like, if I'm not partying and drinking, then I, I will always be alone. And so mm-hmm. that became my social crutch. That became my, my thing that people knew me for. I mean, if you talk to Chris, I, I was well revered in the house. People knew that I was intelligent and mm-hmm. could get shit done, but I was also the party guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, there was also that side of me where it was like, my brain was so super active when I was sober that I would just want to get out of that head whenever I wasn't. And yeah. it, it created this really variable version of myself that I still struggle with to this day, which is just, you know, you go through these periods of high highs and really high highs and low lows. And when you get to those periods, all you want to do is just be around people. But the only way I knew how to be around people was to drink yeah, and to, to have substances. And I would say, oh, there's, there's probably a massive amount of this population after the last two years where they've just been sitting at home and they're socially awkward. And so they go out for the first two, three times to socialize and they're bombed. They don't know how to be around other people. Mm -hmm. And like me, like I've gone through 50 pound fluctuation in weight up and down during this pandemic. So that's already messing with your hormones, much less Mm -hmm. just going out and getting blasted. Um, So I would say like those two things have probably impacted my journey the most in terms of little things that you don't think would be big that have become super pervasive in who I am today. Yeah. Totally. And then do you find that there are certain things that you do during your healing journey that like help you balance those things out and help your mindset, like any kind of self-care practices? Yeah. So subconsciously, I think that I have associated routine with boring. Mm. Like there's been situations in my life where I've been called fat, but I think the more cutting insult has been boring Mm -hmm. and so for a long time I just refused to accept routine like I am at my most stable or stable as one can be in this chaotic world we live in yeah and I'm like waking up at the same time I'm meditating in the morning I'm going for a run or I'm doing a workout that gets me outside of the house Mm -hmm. and then I'm engaging with friends so structuring my time to where I have some of that unstructured socializing experience during the week Um, so that then on the weekends, I'm not just like, oh my God, I have to see people just put me in the mix where everybody's going to be, which ends up usually being a bar. Yeah. So I I think having that morning routine and meditation and like time to reflect, Mm -hmm. that's definitely helped me. Um, Friday mornings, I try to, uh, walk out. Uh, I I get to walk by the palace of fine arts in the, the, uh, the bay and like, I'm incredibly gifted to have that. but classic human being, I just completely took it for granted until I took my friend on my Friday morning ritual. And they're like, wait, dude, this is your morning walk. Like, <laughs> yeah. What about it? He's like, are you kidding me? This like, this is what most people fly from all over the world to see. And this is your morning. Yeah. Walk. How That's amazing. Is that? And it, it stunned me for a second. Cause I was like, what an unappreciative little shit I've become. <laughs> uh, it, but it, it like that Friday morning ritual of just like not having music in and not having your mm-hmm. phone and just walking for 40 minutes without having to be in a rush anywhere. Like yeah. that's done more for my mental state than, than pretty much any other practice I've had on this, this healing journey. And then I think um, the, the last piece of it is just making sure I have people I can go deep with. Mm-hmm. Um, Cooper Miller, the, the guy who asked me uh, to officiate his wedding, he was the first one. 
Um, I lived with him in Chicago, but I, I will never forget, he came to visit me when he wasn't living in the city yet. And we were on the roof of my building and, you know, just catching up and he said, you know, man, uh, are, are you happy? And it, it was a, a stunning question for two, two reasons. One, made me slow down and actually think, am I happy? Because I have generally most of the things that I was hoping for uh, or one would hope for at that point in your life. And two, it was just like, how infrequently are we asking people that? Yeah. Um, and that was like the moment I knew that this guy would be in my life for the rest of my life, whether or not he wanted it. Mm -hmm. And um, I think during COVID, I realized that I had lost touch with a lot of those people that I was able to go deep with and that knew me before this facade of a person that I had kind of created in, in San Francisco and New York, because that's who I thought I was supposed to be rather than just being genuine kind self and mm -hmm. letting whatever's supposed to come to me come um I, I i don't know if that completely answered the question but yeah no it does i love that last point because recently i feel like i've had a ton of like friend losses and gains and just figuring out the best people to have in your life because truthfully if you can't be genuine and authentic with someone, like what's the point? Yeah. I really can't even have like small talk anymore. I'm just like allergic to it or something. So I totally love that. It's a yeah. great self-care practice, having genuine people in your life. It, what was, what was really unique for me was I had to step back and say, Oh, I keep meeting these people and it kind of feels like they're a little surface level or like, there's not a lot there. And after the fourth or fifth person that I said that about, I, I took a step back and I was like, well, wait, is, is this because of them or is it because I'm not willing to go to that level? And then I had to have a whole separate discussion with myself of like, do I feel safe enough in this environment for me to be that person without mm. being, is this a situation I put myself in where I'm looking for acceptance? And so I, I'm refusing to get to that level of vulnerability and openness to, to have any depth there. Mm -hmm. um, and that was equally as enlightening. I also realized that at times I've been that shallow person. And so people removed me from their life during the pandemic and God help yeah. them. That's great by them. We weren't the right fit. Um, but oftentimes when I'm seeking more depth, I've realized that it's actually me that's not willing to go there rather than those people being willing to get there. It, yeah. It's like not even leaving room for people to surprise you. Yeah, totally. I, if we could go back and touch on your parents a little bit, because I know you mentioned that they got divorced when you were young. Mm -hmm. Did that, how did that impact you and like your journey within relationships? Do you ever look back on that? Yeah, it definitely has. I mean, one of the, one of the first things I think that I, I told my, well, first God bless my mom. Like she, she raised us afterwards. She took it as her duty to be the present parent. I will never be able to, to, uh, to make that up to her. Um, and I, I've shown some impatience with her, but man, the, the, the load that she has shoulders just been incredible. I don't think I could have lived through what she's lived through. Mm -hmm. Um, as it pertains to my, my parents' relationship and me, um, I do often fear that I will become my father. Um, 
not saying that he's a bad man because I've realized some of the stuff that he's done for my mom that he would never tell me about. Mm -hmm. um, and some of the things that he's done for his kids that he would never tell us about. And more importantly, how difficult it had to have been to ask a kid for money. Mm -hmm. That's God, how difficult would that be? Um, but as it pertains to romantic relationships, I think I, I made a vow to myself that I would never cheat on someone. Mm -hmm. um, and so that I've been very rigid, but what I think that is also forced upon me that I've, I've tried to peel back a little bit is like an attachment to outcome. Mm. Like I, I, I feel that I've created this myth, mystical idea of like, I have to be with someone that's so amazing that I could never once think of, of, of cheating on them. And it also created this sense of permanence around relationships where it's like, I'm not going to get involved with someone unless I'm certain that that's the person I'm going to be with the rest of my life. Oh, and the truth of the matter is you don't know that. Like yeah. you can, you can have an idea early on, but like people evolve, things happen. Life comes at you. Totally. And most of relationships is actually like being able to handle all that's coming to you and accepting how you're going to be and helping each other through that. Mm -hmm. That's not something you figure out on dates one through five. I'm sorry. It's mm -hmm. just, yeah, it's not. And I, I think I've gotten better at that, but there's definitely been times where I've noticed myself just falling in love with the concept of someone. It's like mm -hmm. I forced myself to fall in love with this perfect vision of where we could go, and what we could be. And then when it doesn't get there, it's so freaking jarring that I'm like, where the hell was I at? yeah um i i think the other thing with with relationships for me is uh this is more recent but it's like just thinking about kids like mm -hmm. i i always thought i wanted to have kids until i started dating someone that wasn't certain that they wanted to mm -hmm. and it forced me to really think about it and it was like man i've finally accepted the temporary nature that some relationships have in your life it, in in accepting that and becoming okay with it it's almost like well crap what am I gonna do I want to have kids mm -hmm. like I've seen the effect that getting married and like breaking off especially in a very vulnerable part of a child's development can be yeah and I th I think honestly it's pushed out my relationship timeline like if you would ask me in college I would have been like yeah I want to graduate college with a very serious relationship and then you know, eventually get married a couple years after that. And then it moved to 28. And then I moved to San Francisco and it moved to 30. And then I went through the pandemic and I was like, well, maybe it's 37. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I try not to put any sort of timeline on it anymore. Like I did in my twenties, cause I just made it really mentally difficult on myself. Yeah. It sourced a lot of, a lot of self-hatred, mm -hmm. but I think what it, what it has instilled in me is I want to be in a secure enough place on my own before I have kids. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's an entirely fair place to be, but I, I think I just would never want, so, uh, I, I don't think you ever want your kids to have to live through something that was incredibly painful and traumatic for yourself. Mm -hmm. And my dad going through what he went through with his business and then my mom not being financially secure, like it created stresses I didn't even know were within me until I could identify them. And so mm -hmm. I think that for me, has pushed out my desires to be in a romantic relationship that could result in kids a lot further. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just go, even going back on the fact of like all the pressures that like men have on them, 
and the aspect of vulnerability, like the financial part of being a man. I mean, everyone talks about the societal norms of like a mother and a woman being like there in the house, but no one really talks about like, well, the men, they are in charge of bringing in the income. And that's never really talked about. It's always talked about the mom, which it is important, obviously, but we should be talking about that too, because that's so much stress to put on men. And that's subconsciously in your mind all the time. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, in, you know, I'm not going to say that there's anyone to blame. I think this is just a, a natural way that society has developed, but there's definitely been girls I've dated where their parents have said, well, you should just marry rich. Mm-hmm. And, it, and like, that has been a huge thing for me in choosing this like entrepreneurial life where financial uncertainty is there. It's like, do I now become, you know, undesirable? Like, it's fascinating to me. Like, I, I don't really like dating apps, but when my dating profile said VP at SoftBank versus mm-hmm. co-founder at XYZ company, no one's ever heard of, mm-hmm. it, it, it was a whole world of difference. Wow. And you, you like to think that it wasn't that, but it was like money talks. It's a, it's a primal thing. Like you want security over uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, it, so it, it's just fascinating to see how all that works. But, you know, I think before we're ever going to get to a place of equality, we, we're going to have to really decide as a society, like what are these gender norms that we're going to live by? And there's biological mm-hmm. stuff that you're never going to get away from. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I kind of view life from the perspective of everyone should be afforded the opportunities that they want so long as they're willing to work for them. Yeah. Uh, but how that manifests itself in the role of a man and a woman in a relationship, I think is, is changing so rapidly, but nobody's really thinking about what the implications yeah. of that are. Yeah. It, I just find that so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, for me on a personal basis, I can even tell that my happiness is a much better place if I'm feeling financially secure and I'm bringing in a whole bunch of income. But I've also been more miserable at times where I've had a lot of income than I have some of the times here. And so it's like, absolutely. Yeah. It's only part of the equation. Yeah. And I do think a lot of it is mindset and where your mind is and the things that you were doing that brings you joy. Yeah. Well, and how you're going to measure it too. I think Naval Ravikant said like money isn't everything, but it's how you, it's how most people keep score. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, Yeah. yeah money uh i actually some girl i was recently dating said you know i haven't met a problem that money can solve and i was like well how about love and mm-hmm. and she was like well i guess if a guy took me on enough cool things i could probably love that person and i was like <laughs> kind of messed up yeah but, yeah yeah we yeah. maybe we were all lied to maybe maybe the best things in life aren't priceless yeah <laughs> maybe <laughs> i'm kidding that's that's a joke for the listeners <laughs> I just, the, even the energetics of money, like going on that, like I could talk about that for days, but getting back to you and your life, um, yeah. how did you get into like wanting to be in a startup? Yeah, I guess it was similar to that itch we talked about a little earlier, like it, removing yourself from the confines of what you grew up in and seeing where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was naturally award to it's going to sound a little egotistical, but I, I like the spotlight. I, I'm a public yep. speaker. I like the, I like having the mic in my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably one of the reasons I love officiating weddings other than the fact <laughs> that I love love. Um, but I think 
for me, I wanted to go somewhere where I could make tangible impact Mm -hmm. and I could prove to people that I could do it. And the funniest part about all of this was that when I left SoftBank and I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, I had more people that were like, yeah, dude, you're going to be fine in startup land. I actually think that's going to be great for you. I had more people that believed that than believed that I would do well at a, a large you know, finance operation. And wow. that was already enlightening and like a huge confidence boost. But um, it was just something in the back of my head where I was like, I, I want to try to build something. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not a coder. And I don't think that I would ever really be a coder because I hate being behind a computer 12 hours a day. I would much mm-hmm. prefer to be interacting with people, giving hugs, slapping people's hands. Like I, mm-hmm. I was a guy that always brought the donuts to the office. I was the mayor at every office I was at and everybody knew who I was and I loved yeah. that kind of vibing out. But um, I, I think that I just realized I didn't want to be the one watching everybody else build. I wanted to be in the game. I wanted mm-hmm. to, for lack of a better quote, be the man in the arena. And at least then I could come out of that and everything goes wrong. I could say, I tried it. I went for it. I took a, sh- I took a big shot. Didn't work out. All goes well. I, I can look like a really smart individual, but it's not going to be at the expense of me not trying hard enough. And mm-hmm. so I think for me, it was just that, that exercise in, in doing it. And um, I, th- I think for better or for worse, it was also an exercise of just getting comfortable in uncertain situations. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Dr. Nicole or some other book I read. Maybe it was The Body Keeps the Score where um, one of your trauma response coping mechanisms is a overcompensation with control Hmm. where you would just control your environment. You would control every little thing and aspect of life so that it made you feel like you were in control when in all actuality, you weren't controlled shit. It was just simulated control. What that also did was remove relationships from your life because you can't control other people Mm -hmm. or you'd have people in your life and you would be trying to control them. Uh, Hmm. And so I think someone said at best startups are a practice or are a journey of self-actualization. And for me, I was like, I don't have kids. I don't have a wife. This is the one time in my life. I'm probably going to be able to take this shot. Cause I, I hope that at some point in the next five years, I'm in something a little bit more of substance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it, it just seemed like it was the right time. And I finally had built up a financial reserve to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think I just had enough confidence in myself finally to be like, Hey, I'll, I'll be okay no matter what I do. And yeah. that made the decision to jump in. That's amazing. And the company is so cool. Yeah. I I worked as a social media marketer right out of um college. Yeah. And this you do it all. You just take took my job away. It's amazing. <laughs> I, I like to think that we made your job easier. Now you have someone <laughs> else that do it all. You just get to play with it a little bit. That's seriously so cool. I love it. I mean, it's like a genius, genius idea. Yeah. It's, so I'm uh, proud of you. It's been really fun. And thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, I don't know if this is worth mentioning, but since we're on it, yeah, uh, I, will, I will never forget um, October of last year. I was, I was sitting in this couch behind me and I texted my dad and I said, dad, I think I have to quit my job. I'm absolutely miserable. 
Mm. And him having asked me for money a year and a half before that, I, I, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He called me and he said, you know, hey, what's going on? We talked about it for a little bit. And he was like, I don't care what you do so long as you are happy. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be proud of you one way or another. And it, this is going to sound really silly because I think I'm, I'm trying to prove causality. But I think me making the decision to take control and choose where I'm going to go and, and take that leap of faith in myself has actually healed the relationship between my parents and I. Yeah. That's not silly at all. That's, I totally feel that like you saying that I feel that. Yeah. It was not, it was again, something that I never expected to come out of taking this, this crazy leap of faith, but it allowed me to, to take control of my own happiness. It allowed me and my parents to have more frank conversations. And, and so I guess the moral of all of this is that it was actually a snowball effect of all this shit happening in June, 2020 and everything that had to happen in between opening up these channels where I could actually understand my parents at a deeper level and understand what they wanted for their mm-hmm. kids at a deeper level. And ultimately culminated in like me just taking this leap of faith and having confidence to be vulnerable with them. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we now have a much more beautiful relationship. That's awesome. It's like all connected in a way that you didn't even know. Yeah, man, people say that to me all the time. And I just want to be like, oh, but is it really? And then like, I have moments like this where I'm like, damn it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just it was said all that. connected. Was all connected <laughs> this whole time. I take back what I said. <laughs> I mean, that's really cool that you're able to like, look back on all that, like shit that you went through and know that n- there is like good things that came out of it. Yeah. I mean, I have that landmark course to thank for it. Cause they were like, well, what's all this shit that happened in your life that you're like holding against your value as a person. And like, you start delving into that and you start to realize, well, would I've kicked as much ass in the workplace if I didn't think I had something to prove? And the answer was no, I wouldn't have. I probably would have been way softer and would not have reached the heights or taken the risk to get myself there. Um, yeah. And so it's like you also, at the same time that you can be upset at someone, you can also be very grateful for the experience, and the learning they've gifted you through that. And yeah. that was probably the harder lesson to learn uh, is gratitude for both the really exceptional thing, but also the, the, the shit. Because mm-hmm. man, like that, that puts you through more and causes you more growth than anything. Totally. But when you're in it, you're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, that take, it usually takes a little time to see the duality of those things. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. I'm, I'm like so proud of you. And even your, um, Chris used to talk about your newsletters all the time that you used to send out. <laughs> yeah. And I loved those. I, I'm, I'm so glad that more people read them than just me. Uh, I, I really enjoyed writing them. And during the, it's actually funny. I talked to my therapist during the pandemic and like the thing that I was most excited to do was write these newsletters. And so I've gone back and forth about them, but I, I, I have a theory that most people are happiest when they're able to, to, to make impact outside of themselves. And that's always something I've strived for probably one of the drivers of why I went to a startup, but, um, those newsletters were the most fun because they made me accountable to my own healing and my own growth. 
Yeah. And you'd be amazed at some time when like someone would respond to that and be like, you know, I was thinking something similar, but I was never able to articulate it so well. Thank you for stilling that. Oh, and it awesome. really, um, I mean, those are the moments that make you stop and pause and realize that like, that's the type of stuff that you, you want more of in your life. You're creating good things and impacting people. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> well, where do you see yourself going in like the next five years? It's a tough question. Uh, in startup land, it's usually as long as you, uh, <laughs> as long <laughs> as you have cash runway for. It's, it's hard to play in beyond that. You know, it, it's funny. I actually, I tell students to think the same way. Uh, I tell students to think about like, do they want to worry about income? Do they want to be married at certain ages? Do they want to have certain experiences? And I think for me, I've, I've had a distinct privilege to travel a lot more than pretty much anyone I went to school with in high school. I've had a distinct privilege of like taking my mom to the Grand Canyon, which was on my, uh, on my bucket list. It, I, I don't know the exact answer of where do I want to be in five years. I went to a startup to have the opportunity to possibly in five years never have to work on a project I didn't want to have to work on again. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that be just choosing projects with more meaning or just be in a place of financial flexibility uh, where that's enabled. Um, but I do know that in five years, I want to have you know, taken my dad to the master's Mm -hmm. I'd like to have seen IU win a national championship, but that could be <laughs> pie in the sky. Um, I'd, I'd like to have visited all the continents except for Antarctica. If Antarctica happens to be on there, great. That was a goal I set for 28, and I definitely missed it, but I had a lot of fun missing that, so I'm mm -hmm. okay with it. And I, I think um, I'd really like to emphasize quantity over, or quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. I think I've lived life it's such a fast pace that it's it's been really hard for me to sit still yeah. and now that I've realized that's a bit of a coping mechanism it's um I would really like for me five years from now to be able to say I found more peace and enjoyment in the stillness uh, of mm -hmm. life rather than the chaos of constantly being on the go yeah yeah well, that's awesome. I'm so happy that you came on and talked to us about all of this because I'm sure a lot of people can relate and get something out of this conversation. I would love to know, Brennan, where can people find you if they want to look into Go Charlie or yeah. see what you're up to? Yeah. So my Instagram profile is just Brennan Woodruff. Uh, that's where I post all my motivational quotes, my funny content, where I'm going, where I'm traveling. Uh, what I'm up to, uh, and then gocharlie.ai um, is the company. Uh, I usually post about it on there. You can always find me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I reply to all DMs. So any DM you send me, even if it's just a chat, I, I'm an open book. I think that the beauty of life is the interactions between people. And so mm -hmm. never hesitate to shoot me a note. It might not see it at first glance, but it will happen. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, Brennan. Yeah, of course. And uh, I'm really proud of you for the journey you've been on and, and for giving other people an outlet to share their own journey. That's Thank really you. incredible. Thank you so much. Of course.